Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast from Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me as always is Skylar Timmons. Skylar, howdy. how's it going? Howdy, howdy. It is going as well as it can be at this time. Hey, we won a game yesterday. <laughs> Huzzah! We've won a couple games since the All-Star break. Huzzah! And we've really only got trounced like twice huzzah so that that ain't bad not for nothing right yeah it's it's hasn't been as awful at this point in the season we don't really care about what happens as much just how it's happening and we'll talk about that stuff but yeah it's we're in the second half of that season and we're really only looking forward to the trade deadline and then after that it's more of where are we gonna end up yeah, and the trade trade deadline still not for another week and a handful of days at time of recording. Um, was talking about, oh, do you think the Rockies trade anybody this weekend? After, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later after some of the comments that you know Bud Black and other other parts of the team made. But who even knows at this point? Mm-hmm. All we know is that for now, at least in the second half, the Rockies look better than they did in the first half. Which, granted does not take a whole lot. The Rockies were a bad team in the first half, and they're not a great team in the second half either, even though it's only been a week or so. But you have to take the victories where we can. And a big thing with the Rockies so far in the second half and in the month of July is uh, home runs for a couple different reasons. One, the Rockies seem to finally have found some of their pop in their bat that has been missing pretty much the entire season so far. And two... 
they are not nearly as bad at giving up the home runs that they had earlier in the season, especially here since the all-star break. The The biggest thing worth note is that at time of recording, the Rockies have actually surrendered the fewest home runs since the all-star break, which is huge, especially when we were just getting demolished uh, throughout the first half with, with the long ball. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's nice because that's something we've talked about is just the immense amount of home runs that have been given up, and they're still at the same amount pretty much as as every other month at the moment of giving them up. But coming out of the All-Star break, they've looked better, and there's probably a couple reasons for that one. An abysmal Yankees offense came to town, and so aside from Giancarlo Stanton, there wasn't a lot of danger in that lineup for the Yankees to hit home runs as much. So a little bit of matchups at the moment kind of help with, with that at the moment, Astros are kind of banged up and then the Marlins just aren't a huge power hitting team outside of Jorge Soler. So it's, it might be a case of just matchups have worked out better for the Rockies at the moment, but even with those matchups, it can give you some, you know, a boost in confidence you know, so to speak, of like, hey, okay, we're we're executing, we're not giving up home runs, our mistakes aren't getting punished. You know, we're we're feeling good, we can work with this type of thing, and they can pounce on things at the plate. Yeah, and and it's worth noting, prior to the All Star break, the Rockies gave up the most home runs, more even than the terrible Oakland Athletics. The Rockies gave up 135 pre All Star home runs. Uh, with the Athletics right behind him at 130. But right now, they've only given up the three home runs, uh, two of which belong to Giancarlo Stanton. Mm. And and you're definitely right that we're not exactly facing these these powerhouse teams. The Yankees are without Judge and a lot of their other big home run hitters. The Astros without Jordan Alvarez, who is uh, rehabbing right now down in AAA. And then, like you said, the Marlins, who are are not a particularly high-powered offense. They're much more of an on-base offense, and they play in a very uh, pitcher-friendly park or hitter-unfriendly park, rather. Mm-hmm. But it can be a big confidence boost, especially with how belagered this rotation has been. And if you look at the, um, the pitching post-All-Star break, um, the only pitcher so far to give up multiple home runs is Austin Gomber. Uh, with two, and he's going to give up home runs regardless. Uh, that's just kind of what he does. Um, but overall, even in July, they had at least toned it down a little bit. Where um, you know Gomber only has the has three home runs that he's given up in the entire month of July, two after the All Star break, and the um, the leader in home runs given up is Connor Siebold, who just. Um, unfortunately, but it had to happen, lost his spot in the pitching rotation. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, it's only a handful of guys with one or two home runs in the month of July. It's been, it's been better, which is something that this team definitely needs. It really is a a confidence booster. And then you combine that with the fact that the, the bats are finally starting to, to come to life a little bit in July and post all-star break. Uh, month of July here, we have uh, several guys with multiple home runs. CJ Crone leading the pack with five home runs, four of them coming after the All-Star break. Just been really, really impressive. And then you have guys like uh, Chris Bryant seems to be finally tapping into his power as well. Uh, Randall Grichik has his first couple home runs of the season, which is great. 
And uh, notice a bunch of these names are, are guys who uh, need to get that trade value boosted. So that works out in our favor as well. But then you also have guys like Ryan McMahon, who's got uh, a healthy three home runs in the month of July. It's not amazing, but it is important to point that out, that the Rockies do finally appear to be tapping into the power that they've been lacking for so much of this season. Yeah, and it's <laughs> at least it's it's coming more in bunches instead of really spread out which has been the case all season. And I misspoke earlier. They, <laughs> I was looking at the wrong splits when we were talking about the pitching, where, yes, they have given up way less in the month of July. Uh, but home runs-wise, they've been pretty pretty like consistent all the months of the season. At least they're at 22 right now, which matches the March-slash-April total. And we're almost done with July. So they haven't topped out at 30 home runs in a month all season. But it's nice to see them kind of coming more in bunches where it's not just one guy hitting a home run in a game, but it's, hey, maybe we get multiple guys hitting a home run in a game. That first game against the Marlins hit a home run in the first three innings against the Marlins. First time they've done that since 2009 on the road. And cool to see that where it's a little bit more consistency throughout that lineup and living up to that potential that they had hoped all season where you, you get C.J. Crone, he's hitting a home run. Randall Gritchick's hitting a home run. Chris Bryant can contribute a home run in there. Elise Diaz hits a home run. Ryan McMahon. So it's good to see him get a little bit more of that consistency when it's coming in bunches instead of, oh, C.J. Crone hit a home run, and we lost 4-1, to one, which happened against the Astros. <laughs> so it, it, it kind of, the home runs that the Rockies can hit helps offset the home runs they give up. And that was always kind of the classic thing. Rockies pitching, they'll give up home runs, but you don't have to worry about it as much because the offense was so powerful and threatening that they could offset that. But they haven't had that this season. So every home run that we talked about earlier in the season, it just felt like a backbreaker where the game's close and then give up one home run, we lose because we can't get any, get anything going offensively. And hey, the home run is the easiest way to score a run in baseball. And that's the way the game is nowadays. And the Rockies just don't do that. So it's it's nice to see them do it, at least in this, this week coming out of the All-Star break. Who knows how long it lasts or if some of these guys get traded, <laughs> what impact that'll have. But it's good to have at the moment. I like home runs. Everybody likes home runs. If you don't like home runs, you're, I don't know, a unique baseball fan. But what's what's really interesting is that here in July, um, almost every single player on the on the current active roster has a home run, except for uh, Brenton Doyle and Harold Castro. Um, Doyle, who's still working on finding his swing at the big league level, and then Castro, who's not a home run hitter, really never has been. But the fact that everybody else has some and then following the all-star break, the fact that you're, you're starting to see Chris Bryant get a little bit more of that home run juice going where he's got two post all-star break. Um, Cause that's been a, a big criticism of his game this season. And, and last season as well is that 
Chris Bryant is supposed to be somewhat of a power hitter and the power is just not there. So even if he's getting hits and getting on base, he's not getting run scored and he's not tapping into the power potential that he's had in previous seasons. And if this can be a sign of Bryant turning it around, then that's fantastic because you're not going to offload him or anything like that, but you can at least have him be a solid contributor to this offense for the time that he's here. Meanwhile, you've got guys like Nolan Jones. Jones has two after the All-Star break, both of which have been absolutely demolished. And Nolan Jones is uh, in the top 10 for most 450-plus foot home runs uh, on the season. I think he has four or five so far, which uh, he's really proving that he's got a lot of pop in that bat. Mm -hmm. And, And that's exactly what you need from a young guy who's trying to establish himself as someone who can be a key contributor for this offense for for years to come. And then you combine that with the fact that the Rockies finally have multiple players with more than 10 home runs or, or at least 10 home runs rather is, is a good sign, especially when really through the majority of, of the season up to this point, even up until the all-star break, the Rockies had just one guy with, with 10 plus home runs. And that was Ryan McMahon and, and Rymac still reads the pack. Uh, leads the pack with 15, and the goal for him, I think, is to get above 20 this year, which should be more than doable with the amount of time that he has left on the season, um, especially when the Rockies had very few uh, 20 or more home run hitters over the last few seasons. That's going to be, I think, big for him. And then you've got C.J. Crone, who, after coming back from his injury, has just really surged like we don't know how long he's going to be here for but for now the crone zone is back yeah <laughs> it hopefully even just for a little bit now because that's what we joke about. that trade value is the most important thing that's why we figured when crone comes back he's going to be playing the majority of the time montero and tolia even jones are going to have to sit on the bench for a bit until the rockies make some moves to open room for them again and crone's making the most of it It'd be a lot tougher if he comes out and he's just abysmal, striking out every at bat. But he's hitting well, well over hitting what over three hundred. He's got all those home runs, and so it's good to see the the crone that we know and love to see him come back and build that trade value, just hitting dingers, crushing him. You mentioned you know the four hundred fifty foot home runs for Nolan Jones. Most of the Rockies, when they're hitting their home runs, they're no doubters. They're getting crushed. Like, you know, as soon as they whack one, you're like, yep, that ball is gone, which is nice to see. It's not a lot of, oh, it just squibbed over the wall. No, most of those are just getting blasted, which is always a good sign and can be a good sign for those guys. But Crone especially, build that trade value and prove, hey, he's still got it. He's healthy. He's ready to go for the rest of the season. And again, it's probably matchups like we, (laughs) we talked about. Level of competition hasn't been the hottest coming right out of the All-Star break or even catching the Marlins in the midst of a of a losing streak and everything. So it, it, give and take, but for the most part, I think a lot of these guys are, are building that confidence. But it's not like the, the pitching that we face has been particularly bad. We've gotten guys like yeah. Garrett Cole and Braxton Garrett, um, both of whom are having very strong seasons and – you know, we we drove Braxton Garrett out in the game one against the Marlins very early. And you look at CJ Crone, who 
uh, here in the month of July, since coming back from from his back being injured, he's hitting 319, 347, 681. So his OPS is 1.028. 10 RBIs, five home runs. He's been good. He's not drawing a ton of walks. He only has one walk so far in 13 games. But he's instead of of drawing the walks, he's just really getting the bat to the ball really well. And you can say that of a lot of the guys. And I especially like what you touched on with the fact that these are no doubt home runs is that even jerks and profar had his no doubter uh, 402 footer in Marlins Park on on Friday to the opposite side while hitting as a right hander, which I think they said has only happened like once before in his career. Uh, then you have guys like Alan Trejo, who finally uncorked his first home run of the season in that series against the Yankees uh, to walk things off. That was a no-doubter. Pretty much every single one of Nolan Jones's home runs have been no-doubters. Ryan McMahon has a ton of no-doubters. The three home runs that Randall Gritchick has hit have been pretty solidly contacted. And same for Chris Bryant, too. Like It, it really is nice to see hitting the ball with authority, especially when during the first half of the season, the Rockies were not good at making hard contact. They were Uh not hitting the ball very hard. The exit velocities outside of a couple players was not really there. Yeah. It's that's been the biggest problem is there was just no authority at the plate. They'd hit the ball and some guys would rope them, but it was just so far and few in between so it's good to see with these home runs, hit the ball with authority and just launching them. You know, some laser shots. Elias Diaz had his first extra base hit in the month of July with his home run against the uh, with the Marlins. We're not counting the All-Star Game home run, but that got out in a hurry. That was a laser to the left side. Boom, goes out. So it's those kinds of home runs and guys squaring up the ball. And that's been a problem all season and has been a cause of that home run drought is just soft contact, not squaring things up. We see a lot of ground balls where they get underneath it and pop it up or just plain strikeouts because they're chasing bad pitches, which they still do. But trying to just even out that plate approach. And it said that it has to come in the second half of July (laughs) when the season's already well out of hand. And most of these guys won't even be on the roster, hopefully, come August 3rd. But they're they're ironing some things out, and hopefully it's finally Hensley, Mullins, and, and company helping these guys take the new hitting philosophy to heart and really getting a more well-rounded fundamental approach at the plate. Because that's what's most important, especially when you have young guys that are itching for playing time, figuring out how they can get that fundamental you know, philosophy of hitting and execute that because they're, yeah. they're, they're executing at the moment, which is good to see. And this is something we've talked about before is that, you know, a new hitting coach coming into the organization and trying to establish a new hitting philosophy. And there were lots of things that needed to be ironed out. And there have been things that we have seen improve. Like we've said uh, before on the show, the, the ground balls have gotten way better where the Rockies were one of the worst ground ball hitting teams in the league last year. And we've seen that improve. And we've seen, we've seen Bam Bam come in and start to iron out these things. And if this is a sign that his approach is really starting to take hold, and as we continue to iron things out, then the, the power drain is just another thing to be ironed out. And honestly, 
this year is a good year to do it in a year where there are no expectations for this team in a, in a year where the team is actively not very good. And we know that this is not a playoff team. There's no expectation of that whatsoever. Might as well take that time to start ironing out those issues, especially with the young, young guys coming up and coming in and hopefully even more of them on the way um, starting in August. Mm-hmm. So yeah, home runs are good. <laughs> it's kind of the bottom line and, there's a lot of power potential in this team. We've talked about that where there's a lot of potential. It's just tapping into that potential and fulfilling it. That That's going to make the difference. And there's going to be critical for those young guys, especially for a Michael Tolia. We know the power he has. He's got to figure out how to tap into that consistently at the big league level. Same with everybody else. Nolan Jones, Brenton Doyle. No, uh, Trejo has that pop. Tovar has that pop. So it, if they can figure that out and get back to a very Blake Street bomber-esque type of offense, you no, know, just a high-powered offense, even back to the Tulo and you know, Cargo, Arenado type of days, getting back to those types of levels will go do miracles for this team uh, going forward. And then where they don't have to worry about offense as much and we can just go back to worrying about pitching more so yeah and and that's even with pitching the ability to have that offense is so important because it takes a lot of the pressure off the pitching like we've talked about before poor kyle freeland has some of the worst run support in the league when he's on the mound and that puts a ton of pressure on your pitchers that they have to be perfect because you know that your team isn't going to score and Uh Not not to, to denigrate any of the, the pitchers on this team, but you can't expect a pitcher for the Colorado Rockies to be perfect. That's just uh-huh. something that's not going to happen. But at the very least, we can start providing the run support that our pitchers so desperately need. Uh-huh. Yeah, and best way to do that, hit home runs, even to make up for the home runs that they do give up. Exactly. But we're going to take a quick break here when we get back. Uh, talk about some of the rookies like we talked about a little bit, but we're about halfway through the season and uh, we want to talk about the potential of this rookie team, the rookies on this team has. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for sticking around through that ad break. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. I'm Evan. This is Skyler. And Skyler, I think we're going to talk about rookies for a little bit. How does that sound? The Colorado rookies. Uh, we had uh, Todd and the Toddlers back in the day. You have Charlie and his children, Bryant and the babies. Yeah, Bryant's and the, babies. Bryant's babies or Chris and the kids, either one. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bryant's babies. It reminds me of Muppet Babies. They make your dreams come true. Bryant's babies, they'll make your dreams come true. Bryant's babies, they'll hit home runs for you. No, no, keep going. No, I, I don't know the rest of the words to that song. <laughs> <laughs> when something kind of weird. <laughs> Muppet Babies is before my time, Evan. Which just makes me feel old because it, it's, it's not that old, though, is it? What year did Muppet Babies come out? I'm, I'm looking this up right now. We can talk about baseball in a minute. There's more pressing matters to attend to. <laughs> We've got to figure out how old Evan is. 
Okay, the, uh, all right. It's a little before my time, too. What can I say? Uh, Muppet Babies began airing in 1984. Yeah, to 1991. So, didn't even Appar- exist yet. Apparently, there's some kind of new CG show. Yeah, that one was in 2018. And it is not good. I I can't say I've seen it. I, I'm, I'm not really in the market for CG children's television. No, but when at, you have nieces uh, and at nephews, my age, <laughs> that's my exposure to most children's television is just through my nieces and my nephews and big fans. Uh, big fans of Bluey. Bluey. That that's why I go gosh. around the house going Arnar Bingar. Arnar. Arnar. The only thing I know about Bluey is dogs, Australian. That's all I got. And pretty funny. <laughs> And that's a pretty funny show. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Speaking of babies. Now that now that we've talked about children's television from the 80s and beyond for about three minutes, let's talk about the children on this Colorado Rockies roster. <laughs> and really, it's there's not a whole lot of a shot that any of these any of these rookies uh, on this Rockies team are probably going to w- walk away with the rookie of the year hardware this year. There are yeah. tons of really talented rookies this season. And, you know, Corbin Carroll, even though he's cooled off a little bit and been injured, is still probably the favorite to run away with that award in the National League. But on the other hand, the Rockies definitely have some guys who I think are at the very least going to be in the conversation and are going to get votes. Mm-hmm. And, there are, there are really three major candidates right now, and that's Ezekiel Tovar, that's Nolan Jones, and that's Brenton Doyle. And Tovar, I think, has the, has the biggest shot of getting the most vo- votes because mm-hmm. he really has been electric this season, especially defensively, but we really have seen his bat come together after the first couple months of the season. Cooled off a little bit power-wise here in the month of July, but he's still getting on base. He had, what, an 18-game at home on base street going, uh, coming into this road trip. He's been he's been good, and you combine that with his fantastic defense at shortstop, which is a premium defensive position, and he's definitely going to get some votes because you, you look at Tovar, and right now in July... His bats, his bats definitely cooled off. He's hitting 208 in the month. But if you look at his his entire season so far, he's been surprisingly one of the best Rockies hitters. He's got the fourth most home runs on the team with nine. Um, he strikes out a lot. Let's let's be fair about that. But he's a rookie who's finding his his legs around big league hitting. But even then, he's got an OPS of 719, a slugging of 425. His thing that really needs work is his on-base percentage. And mm-hmm. as a guy so young who's going to continue to learn how to approach big league pitching, I think that's going to come. That's not really a concern for me so far this season. But then you you look at him defensively, and he makes up for it just in spades, where he doesn't make a lot of errors. He makes these incredibly electric plays that – you know, we we really haven't seen in a couple of years at shortstop where, you know, a healthy Trevor Story and Troy Tulowitzki. But right now, Tovar is filling that mold of that glove first premium defensive shortstop where not only is he going to get uh, rookie of the year votes, but he's a potential gold glove finalist, in my opinion. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, it's good to see Tovar has had that kind of that rookie growth over the season where he got off to a super slow start. But then as he's gotten to play more and more and the Rockies have put all the confidence in the world in him and say, hey, that's your spot. Figure it out. We're not going to send you down, even though there's or people saying, oh, they should probably send him down. No, they st- they've stuck with him and he's stuck with it, continued to grow and developed into a really solid player, but still lots more growth room to happen for him to tap into that power, become an effective, you know, consistent hitter, even more so than, than he's adapting at the moment. And yeah, hopefully he could top four is my hope where he can finish in that top four. It would be nice in top three, but I feel like top four, uh, if he can squeeze in there, would be really good you know, for him and, and just for the organization. I'm like, okay, we send it, we can bring in a rookie and let him start and give him all the playing time at his position and see what happens. Oh, he turned into a top four, top five rookie of the year candidate. And yeah, Corbin Carroll, he's probably the runaway. He's that's that awards are even decided like most awards usually happen where they decide early on all season. He's probably going to win it. And I swear, if Ellie Deli Cruz finishes with more votes and finishes ahead of Ezekiel Tovar, we riot. We riot, Evan. I think what, what's a bummer about that is the fact that Ellie De, Ellie De Cruz is great, but he's been a little bit yeah. more flashy in terms of his national coverage, yeah. which I think is good. That's going to help his voting. That voting. Uh, it's not like he's not deserving of rookie of the year votes, but you look at Tovar, who's really showed some incredible development this year and is by DRS, the second best shortstop in the national league right now. Uh, under a surprisingly strong campaign by uh, Miguel Rojas of the Dodgers, he's uh, he he's he's got the flash factor, but because the Rockies are bad, they're not going to get that same national attention. So yeah. I think I think top four is is not an unreasonable expectation. Top five at the very least, I think he finishes in. Yeah, and that's kind of well, there's a whole other conversation with the awards and coverage. And stuff because yeah, the media and like what fans are seeing and what voters pay attention to, they hardly ever pay attention to the Rockies unless it's like Nolan Arnauto winning gold gloves and everything, name recognition and just team they're playing on play a big factor into it. And so yeah, there's probably a ton of you know the writers and people that don't really know about Ezekiel Tovar because they just don't pay attention to the fact that you now here's this young 21 year old kid who is the everyday shortstop for the Rockies on a really bad team, but is doing the things like you mentioned really solid offensively has some spectacular defense. He's contributing, continuing to learn and grow is doing everything that when you think of rookie of the year, it's like him and Corbin Carroll, they're doing those things. They were handed the keys to their position and yep. they're running away with it. They're making it their own and being a contributor to their lineups, to their teams. You now, Tovar, one of the leaders in, in runs driven in this season for the Rockies now. So it's 
he's doing everything that is that is fitting of a of a rookie of the year candidate. And I really hope that writers are paying attention. Or it could also, you know, Rocky social media could be doing more to kind of promote promote a, a Tovar and get his highlights and things out there. And, and so it's that's the politics of baseball awards and everything. But hopefully he can get more recognition and you know, get get those votes that he's to get that recognition that he really deserves. Yes. Yeah. He's doing he's doing some things that aren't easy. Yeah, and it's it really is. It's we already know that the national media doesn't really recognize the Rockies even when they do good things. That the national media doesn't really know a whole lot about the Rockies and how they operate. You see all the trade deadline stuff. It's like, oh, the Rockies, they should trade Justin Lawrence. They should trade Kyle Freeland. And it's like, if they knew anything about the Rockies, they know that that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much the same with the national media, you know, treating the Rockies as a farm team for the rest of the league, which sometimes can be true, sometimes isn't. Uh, I think that's an unfair, uh, unfair reputation the Rockies have. Of, oh, they just trade away all their good players constantly. When if you look at the history of the team, they really and they don't. send fifty million dollars with them. Yeah, and and yeah, the Rockies are never going to live that down. That's true, but at the same time. You know, credit where credit is due to the Rockies, where there's been a lot of frustrations with them this year, and especially not getting the the kids the playing time that they need. They said Tovar is the opening day shortstop. They said Tovar is going to be the everyday shortstop, and they have stuck by that. Even in his rough April and early May, even when he's having slumps, he is out there the majority of the time. He is the starting shortstop for the Colorado Rockies, and that is exactly what the team needed to do. And that's, you know, in in a year where very few things have gone right for the Rockies in a year where we've been frustrated and angry and apathetic with this team, this is something that I give them all the credit in the world for that. They didn't go out and sign a shortstop that they didn't go out and, and do something like block Tovar that he's been out there every day and playing. Uh-huh. And we've seen that a little bit more for some other guys too, which leads us into our next guy, which is you know, Brenton Doyle. Brenton Doyle, since getting called up, has played the majority of his reps at center field and not really getting getting blocked from that. Uh, the Rockies made the difficult decision of designating Jonathan Daza for assignment in order to give Brenton that playing time. And he's really showed up. And he's one of those guys where, the bat's not quite there yet. And I've seen some people really, really complaining about Doyle's bat because, you know, he's had his struggles of like, oh, he needs to get sent back down. Oh, you need to do this. And it's like, Doyle is another example, very similar of Ezekiel Tovar, but he started two months or month and a half later than Tovar did at getting his, his feet underneath him. You cannot learn how to hit big league pitching without facing big league pitching. And that is what Doyle is doing right now. And his, his offensive stats, you know, he shows it. He's got an OPS of 599. It's not great. Uh, you know, his on-base percentage is 262. Also not great. But he is drawing walks. He's got 
more walks than Ezekiel Tovar does. Uh, <laughs> not by a ton, but he's got more. And the big thing, the big thing for Brenton Doyle is that defense, the speed and the glove work in a very difficult to play course field, center field, and even in other stadiums has been fantastic you see all these diving and sliding plays that's the that's the thing with with tover and doyle especially their glove work has been stupendous this year uh-huh. and you look at brenton doyle and he's already in the top five top six for defensive runs saved amongst all center fielders uh-huh. where uh ahead of him he's got alec thomas in arizona arizona's defense this year has been fantastic uh luis robert uh, Kyle Isbell, Dalton Varsho, and Kevin Kiermeyer. So, Brenton Doyle is the best or tied for the best DRS in all center fielders in the National League. And this is a this is a guy who we knew he had that defensive pedigree. He won a minor league gold glove, and I think he's definitely going to get some gold glove votes this year. I don't know if he'll end up being a finalist or not. It would be very, very cool, but that's what you're looking at for Doyle is he is here right now because of the positive defensive value he provides. And admittedly, he's getting a little bit less playing time right now in favor of Randall Gritchick because the Rockies actively need to be trying to trade Randall Gritchick. Mm-hmm. So I'm not particularly upset about that, especially when he's still getting some pretty regular playing time. Yeah. And his bat developing is just a plus. Mm-hmm. And, and that plays into that. No, shuffling around in the outfield where it's giving him time when he's not playing. He can continue to grow with his, his bat. He's still getting plenty of playing time. And so he's getting peppered in there. Fine. And and that's fine. I'm not super mad when he, you know, when he's off for maybe a day or two, but it, that's the big thing for him is that defense where he is that elite center field goal glove, center field glove defender that the Rockies have always needed and haven't had for a while for him now to be able to, to fill that role where he's getting that opportunity. And he said, that's incredible that he's you know, already up there in the tops in the national league. And he, hopefully he does get some of that gold glove recognition as a finalist, because he brings that defensive value where then you can kind of accept like, yeah, his bat isn't quite there yet, but we'll take what we can get there. But that center field gold glove potential is so good and you mentioned having Kiermaier on that list that's the kind of player that Doyle you know at the very least could be where he's that fantastic center fielder defensively and he can get the bat potential but it may never quite get there but still his glove makes up for that so much that he doesn't have to worry about the defensive end of things that you can still throw him out there and eventually hopefully he can get to that consistent approach like we talked about in the first part so yep. we're really happy with Doyle's his speed his glove fantastic when he was hitting home runs and when he does hit home runs those are power shots too so there's there's a lot to like with Doyle but we mentioned there's still a few things he can work on but if he can get those to click Ooh, we're in and trouble. Hey, if if Kevin Kiermeyer is his ceiling, that is a that is a good ceiling to reach for. Mm-hmm. 
And then last rookie on the list, we've talked about Nolan Jones a lot this season. But, man, Nolan Jones has been so good this year. Originally not eligible for Rookie of the Year candidacy. Uh, They ended up granting his rookie status back to him over like a day of service time or something last year. Yeah, and they, now he's, they he's eligible again uh, due, due to a miscalculation. And Nolan Jones has been excellent this year. Uh, has an OPS of 846 as a rookie, which is amazing. Those seven home runs, pretty much all of which have been absolute tanks, just demolishing the ball. Um, has a decent number of walks, actually not striking out that much in comparison to his teammates. So he has 52 total strikeouts right now. Uh, guys that have more strikeouts than him are Profar, Diaz, Doyle, Tovar, and Ryan McMahon. And, you know, Chris Bryant has just four less than Jones. And for, for a power first batter, that'll play just fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's good to see with Nolan Jones. Now, I've been happy about that trade since it happened and was just hoping for him to get those opportunities You'd figure out because we've seen the action when he hits the ball, man, he is a strong individual and can blast him out. And he's still learning some positions defensively and doing pretty decent with them. He's got a cannon of an arm, still kind of learning the outfield, but, but that's okay. He's learning a new position. Now first base, we're never really going to see him at third base. So he, he's an outfielder now. And he's making the most of it. And when Bryant went down or like Gritchick has been out, when he's been given opportunities to play every day and really develop, which is something he wasn't really getting with Cleveland. And I think his offensive profile and the way he approaches things as a batter, it just didn't mesh very well with Cleveland because they're a lot more contact first type of guys. Um, type of an organization. Yeah, we'll have Jose Ramirez hitting boppers, but for the most part, everybody else, it's just getting on base, slap your your singles, draw your walks. No really contact guys, which is why they like Juan Brito and make that trade because he fits the mold of that organization. Whereas Nolan Jones, he's a Rockies type of player where for all the best and worst parts of it, power potential, He's going to strike out, but the offensive capabilities, there's a lot higher ceiling there because he can blast the ball, bring that power, power threat. And he's kind of cooled off as of late. And we've seen that with his diminished playing time because of other guys coming back from injury. And you're going to give those veterans that playing time. And so he takes it where he can get it. That's going to be the challenge for him throughout the rest of the season is, making the most of the opportunities as they come. But for what he's done in that glimpse where he was getting a ton of playing time, really, really impressive. And I'm excited for him in it, it for all the worst, best and worst parts. It continues to create roster problems for the Rockies as you look at the minors and guys coming up that play the same positions. And you look at the current roster, you're like, where are you going to stick all these guys? How are you going to capitalize on all these awesome players and potential that you have? The bright side is that for Jones, he has he's a mix of he really is a Rockies type player. So in addition to his his pop, 
He's got that defensive versatility that the Rockies love oh so much. So he can play both corner outfield and corner infield positions. Uh, and, you know, despite the fact that he's still learning, he's doing it well. And the fact that he's one of just two Rockies outfielders with positive DRS, hmm. which also says a lot about the other players on this team. Like uh, Jerks and Profar has negative eight DRS, which ouch. But. If the Rockies are active at the trade deadline, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that opens up space for Jones to play left field, to play right field, to play first base. And if he can just hold on for a little bit longer and the Rockies do what they need to do, then he can continue to really make his mark on the season because he really, he's a very toolsy player, deceptively so, where you look at him, you think, oh, he's just going to be your big bopper. But he's pretty solid with the glove. And he's got pretty good speed. We've already seen him steal a decent chunk of bases this year and and really stretch the outfield when playing that he has such good potential in this system. And I I really, really, really like Nojo. Yeah, no, he's one of my low key. He's one of my favorites on the team right now. And I'm going to be continuing to root for him. Like I want him to play some more because it's just fun to, to watch him. I like guys that can just go out there and, hit dingers he reminds me a lot of like tyler colvin if you remember that one season where tyler colvin was really good for the rockies like that was probably the best season of his career he reminds me of that type of of player during that season where he's just kind of like this under the radar but he had a really good year really good player had that power was a good defender in the outfield and it brought a lot to the table and then he fell off the face of the earth. Hopefully that doesn't happen to Nojo, but I think no, Nojo's that, got a much higher ceiling yeah. than Tyler Colvin, though. Yeah. And Tyler Colvin also took that one a uh, bat shard to his neck oh. that one season when he was with the Cubs. Ugh. That's that's scary. But that that's what he reminds me of is just a Tyler Colvin esque, but with a higher ceiling, which I liked Tyler Colvin in that season that he was really good. And that's the kind of player that he can be, where he's not the superstar, but he's a key, a helpful contributor that can throw out oh, a dozen, a dozen plus home runs over the course of the season. That you'll take that, yeah, and a, a nice contributor. And and really, if the Rockies do what he, what they need to do, and he can hold out for just another week and a half, then there's going to be more playing time coming his way to really make his mark on the team. Ooh. And uh, let that be the preview for our next segment that's going to happen right after this ad break. Thanks so much for sticking with us through that last ad break here. Uh, Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. And Skyler, the trade deadline is about in a week and a half, August 1st. And the Rockies have some work to do. They really do. But we're going to play a little bit of matchmaker here and talk about guys the Rockies need to trade and where we think they're going to end up. Yes. And we're going to start with first baseman CJ Crone, probably the most likely trade candidate uh, on the team so far. Where do you think CJ is going to end up? Depending on how things continue to go over the week, I think the Phillies are a good fit for uh, for CJ Crone. So I think for the we saw him. They stick Bryce Harper at first base for his first career start at first base. 
And they continue to say they're looking for right-handed bat. And ever since Reese Hoskins went down, I think a lot of people tabbed like, hey, CJ Crone might be a good fit over there. And I, I kind of in that, I'm in that camp a little bit because the Phillies are clinging to that third wild card. They're in that mix there uh, with the Marlins and or whatever. And so they're in that mix. And again, this depends on what happens with the with the Phillies, what they decide to do. But I think CJ Crone would be a good fit over at the Phillies. Can play first base for him. Could fill in it as, as a DH. Or just gives them a nice right-handed power bat to, to flesh out that lineup a little bit more. And yeah, so I, that would be my top pick for Crony to go over to, to the Phillies so they can try and make another run. I agree with the Phillies. I think they're a very good destination for him. A couple low-key spots that I think um, could benefit from his services are both in the American League West, and that is one with his old team, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and also with the Seattle Mariners. Both teams are really sort of lacking that solid power-hitting first baseman right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Angels especially haven't had a lot of great performances out of first base this year. And the the Mariners have just needed to really offensively click, especially in terms of power. And CJ can provide both to both of those teams. So I think low key, those are solid landing spots for him. I think if I if I was really thinking about it, it's Phillies up top, Mariners, then Angels, because you never really know what the Angels are going to do because they're the Angels. But the Mariners still have a have a have a good push in them for the wild card spot. They're probably not going to win that division over say the, uh, the Astros or the, the red hot Texas Rangers, but they still have a chance to get in on that, that wild card spot. So I can see them making a move for a, um, a helpful offensive tool like CJ. Yeah, no, I don't think that would be a, wouldn't be a bad one. I'm also looking, you no, know, maybe Boston could use a first baseman. I think that was somebody I pegged, uh, even prior to the season as some trade candidates with, with for CJ Crone, Boston maybe could use him because you know, they're in the hunt for that wild card in the American league or heck, even the Astros. They ended up going with Jose Abreu, but Jose Abreu hasn't been that good this year. It hasn't been what they expected. And you no, know, maybe if they feel like they need a quick rental upgrade or complimentary piece to Jose Abreu over at first base, get CJ Crone and I think he fits in with the Astro as well in that lineup, whether it's kind of a platoon bat or a bench guy or you know can fill in at first base or DH type of thing. Um, he's there should be no small amount of suitors that he could Brent suitors uh that he could fit in with this season or or whatnot. But what's funny is that you could probably make an argument for any team in the AL East. Yeah. Needing his services. The Orioles, the, the Rays, Yankees, the Yankees, the Red Sox, probably only the Blue Jays because yeah. they've got Vladdy Jr. at first base. Yeah. Look, crony to the Orioles. They have plenty of pieces, but get get him as kind of a complimentary piece over there with the Orioles. I'd like They're that. Too shabby. 
Um, second guy on our list here, probably the second most likely to be traded, is uh, Randall Gritchick, finally back in the lineup after that groin injury where we thought that he had been traded. Uh, he comes out during that Yankees series, and it, it took them so long to get us any information that we were all like, did Randall Gritchick just get traded? What's what's going on here? Um, Gritchick is another really interesting piece where I don't think there's necessarily a small market for him. Definitely smaller than CJ, but for a, a decently hitting, defensively versatile outfielder, uh, I think Gritchick has some solid market value right now, especially if he continues to perform like he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and part for me... <laughs> Again, we go back into, I think the Yankees well is where he would probably fit in the most. One, he's a Yankees killer. He's always done really good against the Yankees. So if you can't beat him, join him. Convert him to your side. The the Yankees are scrambling. They need outfield help. Gritchick fills a, a defensive need for them. He can play left field. He can play any of those outfield positions. Right handed bat. Maybe they could figure out a way Sean Casey could unlock his power over there in in uh, in New York. I feel like he would be a good fit over there with the Yankees. I'll get what prospects we can. I know the Yankees don't have the best farm system, but you could get maybe a big league ready arm arm back for him. It's you know on the cusp up there in Triple A that you can kind of build your depth with something like that. But that that feels like a a nice fit for Gritchick at the moment. That I think is, is again, I agree with you completely where the, the Yankees need needing help in that infield, especially when you don't know when Aaron judge is going to be back and how well he's going to perform when he's get back, because he has that torn ligament in his toe. Um, having Gritchick there to, to help that outfield. I think would be a really big push for the Yankees. And, you know, like you said, while they don't have the great greatest farm system, they have something. And, you know, none of the guys that the Rockies trade are probably going to net like top 10, top five prospects, but you can get something decent for these guys. Uh, the Phillies, I think, are another good potential landing spot for Randall Gritchick. Really, a lot of those wild card teams are, are pretty mm-hmm. solid landing spots for Gritch. Yeah, no, or even thinking they already have spaces filled. But like, what about the Miami Marlins? Do you think there's a a spot for him on that Marlins team that's still that surprisingly in the hunt for the for the postseason for that wild card? Yeah, uh, especially with the injuries they've had, and even another team we brought him up earlier. The um the Mariners just lost uh, Jared Kelnick for the uh-huh. season, probably with with a broken foot that all of a sudden makes them a potential, I think, trade target for a guy like Gritchick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or one, I was also looking at, and we don't know what the, the, uh, the angels are kind of in a weird limbo at the moment mm-hmm. of deciding over this next week of what they're going to do leading up to the deadline. If they're going to become sellers or not, uh, if they keep losing and then that puts Shohei Otani on the market, probably, um, uh, Randall Gritchick for for Shohei Utani. Who says no? Straight up, one to one. <laughs> Straight up, one to one. We'll throw in maybe somebody else too. They can have Chase Anderson. I mean, hey, they're both going to be free agents at the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> what's there to lose? It would be fun for a couple of months. 
but uh, there the Angels seem maybe could also be a fit for uh, for Randall Gritchick. They've lost a lot of the injuries continue to just hit that outfield and hit that team in general. Mike Trout's out still for a while or a little bit. Other guys come up and they're just injured. So Randall Gritchick go back maybe to the team that I believe that originally drafted him could be cool. Uh, that seems like a good fit too. But uh, there's a lot of open spaces. Interesting for for Crone and Gritchick. You know, imagine if you could just pack them together in one in one pack and send them off to some place. Maybe eat a little bit of that money. You know, send send a little money if you have to to offset it just a little bit uh, so you can get a good return back for him. But lots of, lots of suitors for him. Yeah. Then the other two, uh, the other two trade candidates who actually have potential to be trade candidates are uh, Brad Hand and Brent Suter. And I'm going to lump them together here because they're, you know, the two bullpen guys. Suter's just coming back from that oblique injury. And um, Hand is, Hand is the lefty there. And I think really any team has openings for relievers. Relievers are always at a premium at the deadline. Um, a potential target I like for Suter is the Texas Rangers, where uh-huh. their bullpen was kind of a weak spot uh, earlier in the season, and they've already made some moves to shore it up, trading for Aroldis Chapman. Uh, and I think that's a unit that can still continue to get better. Um, same for the Houston Astros, where they have a solid bullpen that can that can be better. Uh, I like either of those locations for for Brent Suter. And then for Brad Hand, really, anybody who needs a lefty, mm-hmm. which could be any team in the hunt for a playoff spot. Yeah, I'm just trying to look up <laughs> what teams, how teams' off, bullpens are doing here. Uh, oh, dang, the Yankees actually have a pretty good bullpen this year. Now, look at maybe Atlanta. Does Atlanta need any you know, an extra left-handed reliever or anything? Uh, you got Toronto is up there still. Minnesota. Oh, I never hear anything about Minnesota, but I'm sure they could always use bullpen help. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty much anybody that could, one, use a good reliever, and then two, could use a good left-handed reliever. Uh, whereas Brad Hand, he's more of that left-handed focus first, whereas Brent Suter is more of, you just need a good reliever. Oh, he just so happens to be left-handed as well. So yeah. anybody could be, if you had a dream destination, who would you want to try to try to target for these guys? Probably the Rangers. Um, Rangers, despite being a, a really strong team this year, have one of the uh, worst bullpens in terms of ERA uh, with a bullpen ERA of 4.56. Mm-hmm. For comparison, the uh, the Rockies have a bullpen ERA of four point six six. The Angels, if they're going to try and make a push, they are also another really appealing destination. They have one of the lower ERAs, and the the Marlins even the Marlins can get better in the bullpen. There's there's always teams that can get better, and if you're willing to tear off the mandate and trade in division, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm the Diamondbacks could use some bullpen help and they are making a push right now. They are good. They are potential playoff. They are a potential playoff team this year. They are in the playoffs right now. If the season were to end Uh and I don't love trading in division, but one thing, 
looking at it is uh, the Cincinnati Reds. See if they could you know where they're at and see if they can you know, use another left-handed reliever. I think they just have the one now in Alex Young, who's doing pretty good at 29. They don't have a young bullpen. Most of their guys are 29. That with Buck Farmer, the old man at 32. So there's there's potential over there, I think, with the Cincinnati Reds. New look if they need a Brad Hand or Brent Suter, another lefty that they can throw out there. Like Brent Suter, I think would be perfect. Another lefty you know, that is versatile can do both left and right. Uh, would be a pretty solid contributor in that bullpen, I think. And you know, all of these teams have have fairly fairly decent farm systems where yeah. you can you can net some decent returns. The the last guys that we would want to see traded, but our longer shots are Jerkson Profar and Harold Castro, and. Castro, I think, has actually more of a shot to be moved than Profar because he's on vet minimum right now, mm. and he's got he's got defensive versatility, you know, positive clubhouse guy. But it's it's tough to think of a fit, and then you know, Profar, he's just okay. He he's got one of the worst outfield DRSs in the league, which is which is pretty bad. He's good for a, he's good for negative one war per baseball reference uh, and has an OPS of just 0.701. Mm. So I don't know, maybe as a fourth outfielder, someone would bite on that, but those two are the long shots. Yeah. It'd be tough to trade pro far. I think we're just kind of stuck with them uh, because whatever's left on his contract for the rest of the season is really not worth the production he's provided. And it would be nice if, you know, after the deadline, he kind of gets relegated back into a bench role where he won't play as much, making way for, you know, other guys to play in the outfield, namely Nolan Jones <laughs> or even Michael Tolia. But yeah, he's kind of a long shot. Otherwise, it's like, well, can we make some trade to somebody that <laughs> just a in-season trade doesn't really benefit either team a whole bunch? But hey, we swap them to this other team that's maybe struggling. Pro, they want Profar for the rest of the season because uh, they want to dump off this other, you know, arm that they already have in the big leagues. So that kind of trade. You know, like a Kansas City Royals. Oh, they're struggling with this guy. Who can we trade with to get that guy? Or uh, or even like the Oakland A's type of thing, send him back to the A's. Those That type of thing, if that makes sense. A really yeah. low risk, just pretty much. <laughs> uh, well, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. But pretty much just a, a useless trade, so yeah. to speak where you just open it up, maybe you bring back a guy that just doesn't cost as much and they take on a contract and boom, you're done with it. Yeah. Maybe you get something good out of him. Send him back to the Padres. Yeah. <laughs> Inconsequential. That's the name I'm looking That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But really all we can do at this point is wait and see, you know, we have this weekend and all of next week we have, Really, despite the fact that, you know, we've had guys like Bud Black say they might be more likely to be sellers and 
murmurings that the Rockies could be sellers. We really have no idea what they're going to do until things start to happen. And that could be uh-huh. this weekend. That could be over the week. That could be at the deadline itself. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've got one more show that we'll be recording much closer to the deadline next week. We'll see if they've done anything at that point. But with this team, all you can do is wait and see and hope that they do what needs to be done. Yeah, and even interesting before today's game here on Saturday, that last minute Michael Tolia was put in to start at first base in place of C.J. Crone. And so one of two things at the time of recording, he's either back spasms, day off, or traded. So by the time you hear this Monday, it could be all moot. (laughs) I think if it was going to be a day off, they wouldn't have had C.J. in the lineup to begin with. Yeah. Um, So so he's either... He's either hurt or he's traded. It's 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 the Gritchick thing that um, during the Yankees game, it's like, well, Randall Gritchick just left the field. He's not in the dugout and he's not in the clubhouse. He's either hurt or he's traded. So yeah, we're gonna see what happens. <laughs> I'll keep an eye on things, even though you'll be hearing this on Monday. We know nothing of what's happened to CJ Crone when you hear this. Remember that when you are listening, we live in the past. Yes. The future is ever in motion. History, what, what is it? What are they saying? Kung Fu Panda? Uh, I, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. The the turtle guy says something. It's like, but today, that ends with like, but today, today, but is, today a is a gift, and that's gift, why like, they call it the present or yeah. something. I don't know. It's a good movie, but I haven't seen it in, in many years. What a way to end the show on a vague inspirational quote that we can't remember <laughs> i mean i could google it this is the music that i sing while googling things i just typed the word yesterday bats. is history tomorrow's a mystery today is a gift that's why it's called the present i'm glad you got it because somehow i ended up typing the word that's three times into my google search bar <laughs> There we go. It's a great show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We always appreciate you. Um, available on on all of your favorite uh, podcasting platforms. Please consider uh, rating us at five stars and leaving a review. Uh, we really appreciate it. It helps the show grow. Um, you can find us, uh, the proud affiliates of Fan First Sports Network, on Twitter at, at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. Uh, you can also find us on the new Fans First Sports Network website, which is ffsn.app. That's ffsn.app. Um, we would we would love to get some traffic there as well, and you can always find us on Purple Row. Skyler, where can the people find you at? You can find me on Twitter, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, nobody's using threads as much anymore, but I'm still over there <laughs> until they fix that app. Uh, but yeah, you find me on the Twitter still, and then right in Wednesday, Rock Piles over at purplerow.com. And hopefully, both of us will be writing more stuff over at FFSN as well. Rocky's yeah, content that, and MLB. Man, threads died so fast after that, that crazy huge surge to start with. Then no one's talking about it anymore because it's broken, it's not great. And it doesn't work at all for sports because there's no chronological feed. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Lang 27. You can also find me on blue sky at Evan Lang 27.bsky.social. Um, also on purplerow.com doing the Thursday rock piles and game coverage, though, you know, sometimes we have days off on Thursdays. So for More the game coverage, that's not up there. Uh, I actually just posted my first ever non Rockies article on the fans for sports network website today. It's about Trevor story and what he can do to help a not ver- a not very good Boston red, Fo- red Sox infield defense. I would love if y'all uh, went and checked that out. And then, like I said, hit us up on Twitter at Rocky mountain rooftop. And thank you so much for listening. You know, we couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, if you're interested in buying a shirt, you can go to rocky-mountain-rooftop.spreadshirt.com and buy our That's Baseball t-shirt. Proceeds go to the show. And uh, Also, go support the Every Rocky Ever podcast. We just released a new episode talking about Jason Giambi. And then in a couple weeks, the next episode will be with Patrick Lyons of DNVR talking about John Vanderwall and Brian Fuentes. So lots of fun stuff coming up. I'm excited for the John Vanderwall one. I loved John Vanderwall, and he is one of my favorite answers to use in uh, Immaculate Grid right now. <laughs> yeah, it was a good it was a good conversation. So we're looking forward when people can see that here on Definitely. like like the day after the trade deadline. I think so. August second was when that one will go up. And we are always open to doing more things like mailbags and taking suggestions from listeners. If you have a question that you would like answered on the podcast, a suggestion for something you would like us to cover on the show, or someone who you would like to us to try and get as a guest on the show, please leave us a comment on Twitter or on the Purple Row or FFS, FFSN postings for the show, and we will do our best to make that happen for you. However, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I'm Evan with me is Skylar. Thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, Skylar, how about you hit him with it? Bryant's babies. They make your dreams come true. As long as that dream isn't playoffs. Crone was scratched because of lower back tightness. Ah, dang, dingity, dang, darn it. (laughs) Until next time.